Good evening and welcome uh, along. We're going to be thinking especially about that passage from Isaiah chapter 9 now. And as we do so, let's ask God that he would be working amongst us to change us. So please join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is a light to our path and a guide to our feet. We do pray that as we think about it, that you would transform us by your spirit to be more like your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, almost, uh, almost 20 years ago, I, at an evening designed particularly to help people to hear the Christian message for the first time, I sang a Leonard Cohen song called The Future from 1992. Now, if you know anything about my singing ability, uh, you may think this was a dubious decision, uh, especially also then when you think about the lyrics to the song, uh, it may be doubled, if not tripled, with whether or not it was a good move. But I think I carried it okay, and beyond my singing ability, I think the lyrics themselves for the future were strong enough to hold it together. Anyway, the lyrics are, he sings, Give me back my broken night, my secret room, my secret life, that it's lonely here, there's no one left to torture. Give me absolute control over every living soul and lie beside me, baby, that's an order. Take the only tree that's left and stuff it up the hole in your culture. Give me back the Berlin Wall. Give me Stalin and St. Paul. I've seen the future, brother. It is murder. Now, it's a bleak song for a bleak time. And maybe it seems overly bleak for a sunny Sydney evening. But I think we are a generation characterised not so much by joy and hope, by optimism and a sense of things ever getting brighter, I think we're a generation more characterised by fear than anything else. I think we're generation fear, or at least uh, I know I am, but I think I probably speak for quite a few of us here. We're scared people. I mean, I know at least at the macro level, I'm afraid I mean, I'm afraid about North Korea launching nukes, that we're on the brink of World War III, where it's not some localised battle, but we all bite it in the end. I'm afraid about China's ever-growing positioning, especially in the South Pacific. I'm afraid about morons in control of major world powers, about our waters bubbling up to the temperature of a spa bath. Uh, and closer to myself, I'm afraid of all sorts of things, of failure, of missing out on all sorts of things that I should have, afraid of my marriage or kids or parents falling apart. I'm afraid of ageing, of receding hairlines and ever-proliferating face lines, of expanding girth and the shrinking options that come with getting older, I'm afraid of cancer stretching out its hands towards my brain or pancreas or liver, afraid of Parkinson's and afraid of Alzheimer's and dementia, where in the end I'm lost inside my own head. We're fearful people, worried about all sorts of things. Just on Friday there was an article in the Sydney Morning Herald that showed that Australians are out of 24 different nations 
Australians are more fearful about security threats like terrorism or nuclear attacks, computer hacks and health epidemics than most other countries. And it's in this context then that we hear the angels say to Mary and say to the shepherds on that first Christmas, be not afraid, don't be afraid, don't be full of fear, don't be people who are terrorised. As we eke ever closer to Christmas and get swept up into the maelstrom of it all, we need to ponder how it makes any sense for God to say to us, be not afraid. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at this passage from Isaiah chapter 9, the passage that Peter just read out for us. Uh, and this week maybe then is a more interesting week because maybe by week five, you get fairly bored of hearing the same passage read out every single week. But it's worth stopping and hearing these words and maybe having them change something of our hopes, our sense of comfort as we reflect on the fact that in Jesus, God has come close to us to comfort and give us hope in an ever-afraid world. And I just want to think about it briefly tonight. I don't want to outstay my welcome. I just want to think about it in terms of the people who first heard it and what it means when we think about Jesus as a wonderful counsellor for us. So firstly then, who heard these words? In the first place, it was people who walked in darkness have now seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Now the context in which these words were spoken was maybe darker than ours, or at least would give our age a run for its money. There were no nuclear weapons on the stage, but the situation in Israel when Isaiah spoke these words was not that much less dire. And the whole northern part of their kingdom had been wiped out by the Assyrian army, the major player of their day. It was perhaps for them, like it would be for us, if all of Queensland, the Northern Territory and the top of Western Australia was taken over, which uh, maybe wouldn't be that much of a loss, um, but would leave you somewhat worried if that was the case. Uh, and these people were on the brink of no longer existing as a nation. These people were destroyed. They were sad and helpless. Their country was smashed. And maybe what was even worse was that as God's people, when they looked to God to see whether or not there was any sense of hope for the future, the feeling was that the door to heaven was closed. When they called out to God, all they heard from him seemed to be silence. They felt like when they looked at the future, it was just murder, that there was nothing more from them, no sense of hope and no prospects of anything more than fear. And it has to be said that life really does often feel like this. I mean, this, the Christian message and the Christmas message is good news for, for happy people. 
uh, whether, you know, you've, you're kicking goals all over the place and it's all ups and ever ups for you. And it sense, you've got a sense of great optimism for the future. But it's also a message when things feel awful and it can often be like that. Well, it feels like it's gloom and darkness where you're walking in the dark, where there's a sense of anguish that doesn't go away. Uh, I, I read a, the Pulitzer Prize winning book from a couple of years ago called The Good Soldiers about uh, the, uh, the army experience in Iraq. Uh, it's written by David Finkel and it's a great, if depressing, read. And of maybe, you know, 100 different very touching moments in this book, there's a bit where the bat battalion's position is talking about one of the members who's about to go back home to America for good. And he describes him. He says, there's not a physical scar on him. But look at this man's heart and his head, and there are scars galore. You can see it in his nervous eyes. You can see it in his shaking hands. You can see it in the prescription bottles in his room, one to steady his galloping heart, uh, one to reduce his anxiety, and one to minimize his nightmares. You could see it in the screensaver on his laptop, a nuclear fireball with the words F Iraq on it. And you could see it in his private journal as well that he'd been keeping since he arrived. His first entry back on February 22nd said, not much going on today. I turned my laundry in. We got mortared last night, but nothing close. It's pretty nice, got a good chow hall and facilities. Still got a bunch of dumb stuff to do though, and that's it for today. Through to then his last entry on October 18th, where you read, I've lost all hope. I feel the end is near for me, very, very near. Day by day, my misery grows like a storm, ready to swallow me whole and take me to the unknown. And yet all I can fear is the unknown. Why can't I just let it consume me? I just can't go on anymore with this evil game. Darkness is all I see anymore. I think while this is an extreme sort of description of feeling like there's no hope, and there's nothing left. I think a lot of us might feel trapped and hurt and damaged and that God isn't with us, that he hears our prayers and turns a deaf ear to us. And yet, even in the darkest times, as hard as it might be to sense that God is there, the message of Christmas is that God doesn't leave us. He doesn't leave us alone in the darkness. He walks with us and cares for us, as hard as sometimes that is to hear, both as it was 2,700 years ago for Isaiah's first hearers, as it is for us today. And so it is we come to then these descriptions of who God is, the one who would put an end to all the machinery of warfare, the one who would bring an end to the bloodshed, that all the blood-covered boots 
and army outfits will just be fuel for a fire, for a party, when he comes as a prince of peace, as the mighty God, as the everlasting father, as the wonderful counsellor. I mean, these are words which I think are quite familiar to us, especially if you know Handel's Messiah. Uh, these words are put into, well, I don't really like classical music, but they're put into, they're put into song in the Messiah. Uh, and I think there is something to hold on to in them, to actually sustain you amidst the hard times. It's been said, what's in a name? But I think there's quite a lot. I, um, I, uh, my childhood growing up was not that happy. We had my grandfather living with us. Every single dinner time was this constant snarky fight between him and my dad, always threatening to erupt. And my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, not a great guy. We used to call him Pa. One of the joys that my sister and I had was that every time it was dinner time, he lived downstairs from us. Instead of calling out Pa, we would call out Fart, which is close enough in the A sound for him to respond. So we'd call out Fart, and he'd go, coming. Um, anyway, more joy for me maybe than, uh, than for you in hearing my comfort in, the, in that situation. But God promised that his son would come as a mighty God, as the Prince of Peace, as a wonderful counsellor. And after all those years of waiting, Jesus came. Jesus being God in motion, on the road, constantly going elsewhere, often to places he wasn't invited and in those places, being one who would give counsel, who would give teachings, who would give advice to live by wisdom. A point that sometimes I think we miss in the creed, which we often say, it, you often get this feeling like Jesus is just this one who was born and died. He's like a salvation mechanism that's come from God which passes over all the stuff that Jesus actually taught. Uh, Jesus came and told stories, not so much about us, but about God and who he is. God being the searching shepherd, the careless farmer, the undiscerning fisherman, the reckless woman, the extravagant father, the prodigal Samaritan. Jesus reveals a God in his counsel who's not some reticent, reclusive deity, but the God who comes to seek and save the lost. And in that counsel, he says to us, peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and be not afraid. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll refresh you. He says... Don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than them? Can any one of you, by worrying, 
at a single hour to your life. Jesus gets what it is to be afraid. Uh, You see him in the garden crying out that it might be some other way and yet still could trust that God's will was good. And so too he says to us to trust in God in the darkness. There's a a great bit in John's Gospel where uh, the, the crowds start to feel like Jesus' teaching is too hard for them to take. And they start wandering away from Jesus, but his disciples stay. And Jesus says to them, why are you still here? Why haven't you gone too? And they say to him, where else are we to go? Because you alone have the words of eternal life. And I think that is then, in many ways, our position. That it may be dark, it may be hard... But God can truly say to us, be not afraid. And in that, we find comfort, hope, and counsel to live by. And to that end, let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness to us and for your grace. We thank you so much that Jesus came that as well as dying for us to make us right with you, he also still gives us words of comfort and hope. We pray that as we approach Christmas this year, that you would give us a genuine sense of your, your being near us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.